Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb. And this is where you'll receive the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character and our culture saturated with media and technology. We call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and hard work to not only keep on top of technology as it's constantly changing, but then discern how you'll apply it to your family's lives. Our ultimate goal is to keep you informed and equipped to raise your tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. Now I'm going to go ahead and admit and put this out there that today is a very Instagram-saturated podcast. We have almost everything about Instagram. So in today's news, we're going to be talking about Instagram introducing ads into its explore section. Also about Selena Gomez deleting Instagram app off of her phone. In our character focus, we're going to focus on the virtue of authenticity. And of course, in our app, Five Facts, we're going to be going over Instagram. And in our family focus, we're going to be talking about the power of influence, something that Instagram definitely has over our kids. All right, getting to today's news, Instagram recently introduced ads into its explore section. Now, as we talk about Instagram a little bit later in the facts, um, we're going to talk a little bit about this explore section, but essentially what it is, it's part of the app where Instagram suggests content that you might be interested in from other accounts that you don't follow. Um, You can also, this is also where the search feature is in Instagram. Now, Instagram recently sort of touted this decision as an opportunity for advertisers to, quote, be a part of what's culturally relevant and trending while reaching new audiences who are looking to discover something new. So that's what they're saying. So really what they're saying is, hey, you've got a product. We've got millions of people here. You pay us. We'll put ads on here. And then you can sell your product to all these millions of people. That's essentially what it's saying. And they're looking specifically for people who are looking for something new. Well, that's the generality of Instagram and all these social media feeds is this looking for something new and novel. That's why we constantly refresh or or search the feed, you know, two or three times a day to see what's new. So, of course, there's always something new. And now there's going to be new advertisements. Facebook, who owns Instagram, says that their aim is to make Instagram a very easy place to shop. So as easy as possible, they want you to do your shopping there. We recently talked about, I'm in another podcast, how Instagram was was introducing this shopping feature, the shopping cart, where you could see a post in your feed that was, say, from an influencer and say they were advertising this really cute jacket. You could click right there and it would bring you to this Instagram shopping cart and you could check out and buy that jacket from that company who's sponsoring that ad or that influencer who's putting that ad out there. And then it would be delivered straight to you. So they're making shopping as easy as possible. What we also need to realize that as Instagram and Facebook, you know, since they're all in the same, is as they're doing this, as they're making it really easy to shop, they're also collecting a lot of data from us. And data is the moneymaker for these big tech companies. We know this. There's been lots of data scandals. But ultimately, when they track our data, when they learn our shopping habits and they learn what we like and what we don't like, they know exactly what to put in front of us time and time again. So liking a post or shopping once on Instagram is going to sort of almost draw you in to this, you know, rabbit hole of everything that you like, right? When you think of teenagers. Um, I think of especially teenage girls, how much they could be drawn into buying this, buying that, the next thing, the next thing, always being shown through these ads. Ultimately, these ads are no different than ads that were appearing in your regular feed, but now you'll just find them in another place. They're just adding more of them, essentially what it is. You know, I joked when, um, when we shared this on, on Facebook, this news article about Instagram introducing these ads about how when... DVRs and TiVo was introduced, we sort of did away with commercials and our lives were like changed forever. You know, we could fast forward through um, live TV after it was recorded and it was just like this most magnificent thing. And it's funny now that we're back on social media and the amount of ads that were being shown on social media and on the internet is almost worse than watching um, a few minutes of commercials, you know, during a sitcom, you know, maybe 10, 20 years ago. 
All right. So also in the news, we have Selena Gomez once again talking about how she deleted the Instagram off of her phone. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how Selena um, said in an interview at the Cannes Film Festival how she believed that Instagram was terrible for her generation. And that was because of the effects that it's having on her mentally. Well, on an interview with Live with Kelly and Ryan, Selena said that she deleted the Instagram off of her phone because she didn't like the effect it was having on her mental health. She says to Kelly and Ryan that she didn't abandon Instagram completely. She's quoted to say that she just deleted the app from her phone and she uses the app on someone else's device if she wants to do something. So instead of dwelling on comments or haters or just being consumed with the Instagram feed, instead, when she wants to share an image or connect with certain people, she uses that other person's device gets on, does what she needs to do, and then disconnects, giving that device back to the person who she borrowed it from. Interestingly, several articles went on to talk about how the head of Instagram, Adam Mosseri, heard about this and says, quote, I wouldn't extend Selena Gomez's experience on the platform to what your experience or my experience might be like. Because she has over 100 million followers, it's a whole other world. He also goes on to say that there's absolutely no way to keep users from saying mean or nasty things and that there really has to be a balance in order for users to get what they want out of the app. So that is directly from the head of Instagram. So a couple things that I sort of, you know, take away as a parent when I hear him say this. He says 100 million followers is a whole nother world. Well, absolutely. Celebrity life in and itself is a whole other world. You have the possibility of 100 million haters, or, or likes at the same time. But is that experience really different than having a hundred or 1,000, which is probably more of the average teenager? Any hate, any negative comment is going to affect someone mentally. Do I really think that Selena Gomez is looking at every single like or, or hateful comment? Probably not. And if she did, absolutely it would affect mental health. But I dare say that even 100 likes or 10 likes are go- is going to affect a teenager in that same exact way where it, it you know, messes with their self-esteem and really makes them question their worth, affecting that mental health as Selena had described. I do like what Adam says, Adam, the head of Instagram, what he says about finding balance. And I think that what Selena Gomez has done is actually pretty genius. She did find balance. She's like, hey, Yeah, I'm the number two person or number three person followed on Instagram, right? She has that many followers that she is that high. However, she's found the balance by saying it's going to be on someone else's device. It's not on my device that way when when she's bored or not doing something. She's not prone to that reflex of let me just pull out and see what's new on Instagram. Let me just scroll through my feed. Let me look through my comments. Look for that validation that me feel better when there's really no guarantee that you're going to find that. Instead, it's on someone else's phone. We as parents have a great opportunity to learn, I think, from what Selena did. If we have a teenager who really wants Instagram or already has it and it is affecting them negatively, you know, one way of finding balance could be that the app goes onto your phone, you know, whether your mom or dad. And then the child has to get on your phone in order to use the apps. That means not only do you know what time the child is spending on Instagram, but you're also knowing what's being posted and what's happening. It's a way not only to monitor it, but it's a way for that child to find balance. And there may be more creative ways, but I really think this is a good idea, especially if they're younger and this is their first Instagram account. What better way than to teach them than by sort of co-viewing this Instagram account that is theirs, but is on your phone. All right, we're going to move on to our character focus, which is authenticity. Really important here as we talk about social media, especially Instagram. Now, authenticity is described as the quality of being real and true. A synonym of it is genuine. That is being actually and exactly what is claimed. The opposite of authentic is phony, fraud, or fake. Those three names are definitely not something that anybody would want to claim as a character trait. Those are really kind of ugly words we would never want to describe us. 
This is particularly important as we live and share our lives publicly on social media platforms. It's important in our day-to-day, face-to-face relationships, but it's particularly easy to not be authentic online. So as we talk about developing authentic character in our children, we have to focus on our authentic character first, right? As, as mom, as dad, our role model that we are portraying to them, as we, as we demonstrate what it looks like to be authentic, they will learn from it. But in contrast, if we're demonstrating what it looks to be a fraud or fake, especially on social media, if we're putting ourselves out there or painting a picture that is not reality, and your kids will know it, right? I mean, if you're posting something like, oh, this was the most beautiful vacation ever, and meanwhile, your kids are like, this was the most disastrous vacation ever, they're going to know, right? Especially if they can see it. So we're going to look at ourselves first and make sure that we aren't fake, that we are authentic so our kids can learn from it. So what are some common characteristics of an authentic person? According to psychologists, they say one of the first things is that authentic people have a realistic perception of reality. Now, if you have teenagers, and I happen to have five currently, you'll know that they don't often have realistic perceptions of reality. We aren't going to find a lot of truly, truly authentic teenagers. It's such a tumultuous time of growth for them. So they're going to have certain aspects of authenticity and then certain aspects where they're, they are fraud, you know, fraud or fake because they're trying to figure out who they are. But this realistic perception of reality, um, we can definitely help them learn this authentic character trait and have this realistic perception. So here's an example. Your child may say, oh, everyone has an iPhone X and I'm the only one left with this stupid seven. Oh, I need an iPhone X. They're going to verbally tell you this, maybe over and over again. The reality is having an iPhone 7 is really fantastic. That is a high quality, great phone. Now, granted, in our society, we've sort of become accustomed to having these $1,000 computers in our pockets. But in reality, if you have an iPhone 7, you are lucky, right? You are blessed. You have what you need. So, but if you look at this realistic perception of reality from an adult standpoint, we're just as susceptible to this type of confusion where we say, oh, everyone at work has an iPhone X or all my neighbors have an, and friends have an iPhone X. And I'm the only one that's left with a stupid seven. I really need a new phone. We're going to think these things internally. Like, so our perception of reality can be just as deceived as our kids. But the thing is, our maturity helps us realize that, yes, I really do want that phone, but it's a thousand dollars and there are XYZ that I need to, to pay for um, and before I buy that phone. And so that's where the maturity comes in. But we can help our kids really bringing them back to what reality is and encouraging them, especially when it comes to maybe spending money, to save money, to get themselves in a grounded sense of reality. Another characteristic of an authentic person is that they accept themselves and other people. You know, the opposite of accepting yourself would be looking to others for approval and value, which is definitely something we see a lot with teenagers who live on social media, namely Instagram. You know, they put pictures out there of themselves specifically for the likes. CBS this morning did an interview, which we also shared that that news article on our Facebook page, but they did an interview with five or six different teenagers questioning this um, idea that Instagram is sort of toying with about removing likes in order to combat bullying. So you would post pictures, but there would be nothing to like. The teenagers, they were quoted to say, why would we even bother posting? Getting likes is how we interact with friends. So that is their perception. Getting the like is sort of this validation from a friend or a follower um, who's saying, yes, I like you. But really, you know, as adults, it's easy for us to say that's, you know, again, that's not reality. Why do you need this validation from all of these friends? Can't you just have a good conversation or go hang out and feel validated from that time? But this is, this is just where they are. This is what social media has sort of deceived their brain to believe. 
But when they are accepting of themselves, they're okay with putting the picture out there and only getting maybe 30 likes or 100 likes. Whereas most teenagers will say that if it gets under 200 likes, they're going to delete it because that's embarrassing. So that really isn't the character virtue of authenticity. That's not being authentic online of putting something out there. And if it doesn't get enough likes or enough validation or approval, removing it. Definitely a conversation piece for you and your teenagers when we discuss authenticity. And a few other character traits of an authentic person is thoughtful. That's an easy one, right? Um, the opposite of that would sort of be judgmental, which frankly, it's also really easy to be judgmental on social media. Another one is a non-hostile sense of humor. If you've ever met someone or been friends with someone who was constantly joking or sarcastic in maybe everything that they said, it's really hard to see that person as authentic or to see who they really are behind all of those jokes and sarcasm. And that's kind of what they mean here by this non-hostile sense of humor. An authentic person can also express their emotions freely and clearly, comes back to accepting themselves. And they're also open to learning from their mistakes. Again, if you have teenagers, you probably know they don't love to own their mistakes. They understand they're not perfect, but at the same time, they don't want to really admit that they're not perfect. And so as they mature, they will become more aware of their mistakes and be okay with them. You know, an authentic person says, hey, everybody makes mistakes. Failure is a part of learning and a part of, you know, the pathway to success. So I need to learn from them. And that's really where authenticity comes from. It's not like I'm perfect. I need to pretend to be perfect. So there's no way I could own this mistake without maintaining my perception of perfection. And um, another characteristic of an authentic person is that they understand their own motivations. What is it that's driving them to Instagram? So as we talk about this and discuss how on social media, it's really easy to be inauthentic. But at the same time on social media, it's really easy to fake being authentic. That's really the catch 22 of this is authenticity can be faked when you're posting, you know, and you're curating this feed of yourself and your activities to make it look like, oh, this is, the, this is just the general average me. But really, there's a lot of thought going in to what exactly you're sharing with the world. Where the, the crux is, is that authenticity, even though it can be faked on social media, is really backed up by a person's character. You know, this is why we at Brave Parenting constantly focus on character, character over social media, character, you know, over entertainment. Character is the foundation and is really going to, to be what people see behind all of the fancy and perfected pictures that we post on Instagram. So what can you do to be more authentic? And what can then, you know, as your kids watch you, what can they do and, and you encourage them to do in order to develop more of this authenticity? Well, first, be true to yourself. Be honest and trustworthy because these are character traits that even though the world doesn't say, hey, we really value and we really like people who live by a code of morals and values, the world doesn't promote these morals and values, but we all like people who live by them. And that's the thing. And make sure that your kids know that. They're not, you know, the world is not going to say, yes, sexting is bad. And, you know, you should, you should really abstain from that. The world's kind of saying, hey, it's okay. It's what teenagers are doing. But when you live by a code of morals and values, people are going to see you as more authentic. All right, another thing that you can do to develop more authenticity is to be self-aware, right? This is where our role modeling is really important. When we're self-aware of, of how we're acting and what we're posting on social media, I think this is where it's important for us to ask our teenagers or our any age kid who can understand what social media is, is it okay that I post this picture of you? And this is what I'm saying about it. Because you want to make sure that you're telling them, I want to portray a most authentic version of you for family and friends to see. I'm not trying to create you into something fake. Your role modeling starting at those young ages is very crucial here. Another way to develop more authenticity is to treat people with kindness and respect. And remembering that your character is showing in every social media post. It really is. You can see character and really that authenticity 
behind the pretty picture. And another way is to live in the moment and be a great listener. Now, I love this. I think most people aren't going to try and and incorporate this into their authentic lives, but living in the moment is almost a lost art right now. We're so caught up in our notifications and in our distractions that we're forgetting what it's like to be in the moment, to be a great listener, and to develop those relationships. Authentic people value relationships and that person who is beside them. So whether you're offline or even online and you're having a relationship with someone, you're having a conversation with someone, it's important to you know, eliminate distractions and really focus not on your own motivations, but just being present in that actual relationship. Another way to develop more authenticity is to not live for social media posting. You know, when you think about the stories that you want to create for social media, so if you're on social media, it gets into your head, right? And as you're having this great fun day with the kids, you think to yourselves, oh, I need to take a picture of this so I can share it on on Instagram. Because number one, that's what people do. But number two, you know that it, it is a good picture of your family and where you're at. And that's kind of validate you. But don't let those thoughts of, I have to create the perfect picture in the perfect environment of my family doing this where everyone looks happy in order to post that. Because then you're losing yourself in that moment, right? You're not living in the moment because your behavior in real life is going to end up being inauthentic because you're worried about what you're posting on social media. I also think one of the biggest things that we as parents can do in order to be more authentic ourselves, but to to develop authenticity in our children is to fight criticism. Criticism is all around us. It's everywhere throughout the news. If one person doesn't agree with another person, we somehow have been given this authority where we feel that we can just criticize that other person for not agreeing with me. I may say things on you know, this podcast that you may not agree with, and there may be some criticism you know, that comes towards that. And that's okay. I'm not going to be mad at you or criticize you back because you criticize me, but That's a lot of the world, and that's the world our teenagers are growing up in. So while we can't take them out of the world, we can change our own behavior. And so we want to make sure that we're not being critical, overly critical to our kids. That doesn't mean that we don't encourage them and validate them or correct them or discipline them, but we need to stop being critical. It's okay for their hair to be a mess or their room to be a mess, or their outfit to not match, or, you know, to to be whatever it is that they want to be without our criticism. I think a lot of that criticism may come from us because we see so many perfected pictures on Instagram. And so we feel like our children too should sort of live up to this expectation of what we see online of perfection. And subconsciously, we just end up criticizing and sometimes over-criticizing our kids to the point where they feel weakened. They feel like they can't be who they really are and they're trying to be someone else. They're losing their authenticity because of our criticism. I know that's really hard. I think I struggle personally with it a lot because, you know, as I've been conscious of this, I realize that the criticisms come out and I think that they're helpful, but ultimately my children aren't taking them as helpful. They're taking them as criticism. And so because they slip out so easy, I'm having to be very self-aware of how I'm approaching them and making sure that it's balanced with a lot of validation and that if something needs to be corrected, it doesn't come out as criticism so much as it does correction. So I think these are great ways that we as parents can not only model authenticity, but work to build that up in our kids. And as they're on social media, helping them all along the way continue to develop this authenticity and help them make sure that they are portraying themselves as authentic online. In our app focus today, we're going to talk about the infamous Instagram. Now, you may already know quite a bit about Instagram, but we're going to go over some of the new features, and hopefully you'll learn a little something new. Now, the first fact you need to know about Instagram is it is a photo and video sharing app. It allows you to apply filters to your photos, which even I admit are pretty fantastic. It can take your photo from drab to amazing with one click. 
It also has become known as a feed of perfection because most people don't post pictures on Instagram that aren't edited. It's just a very perfected view of people's lives. Of course, people are only sharing their greatest moments, you know, perfected with the lighting and the white balance and all of those contrast things that you can do and edit inside of a photo. So this is very much a feed of perfection or what it's been known, become known as. There's also, quote, rules of posting that you can find from various different magazines that have sort of come out since Instagram has grown in fame. And, you know, some of these rules of posting are like you can only post one selfie every three days. Or if your selfie only gets so many likes, it should be deleted. Or you should post during these hours. Or you're not allowed to post food pics, you know, unless they're like perfect food pictures, but, you know, never just like your average lunch. It's really kind of crazy. But the funny thing is, is they post these rules out there in magazines and different um, web articles, but a lot of people obey them, even though they might seem ludicrous. Because they're out there publicly, they tend to be obeyed. Now, the second fact of Instagram is that there are followers, and followers is a crucial part of Instagram. Most people want to have as many followers as possible. The more followers you have, um, the better you look, the more popular you are, the more famous you are, the more ability you have to be an influencer. And we're going to talk about influencers and our family focus, which is coming up next. But this idea of gaining followers is sort of a crucial aspect. And so what happens is a lot of times you will um, post content, even if that's just pictures of yourself, and maybe you'll use hashtags in order to um, grow your audience by people searching different hashtags. Or of course, you're going to tag your location because people can um, maybe look at a very specific location. Like if you say that you're in you know, New York City, well, people might search New York City or Las Vegas or some other big city um, more commonly. So you can obviously tag that location in order to, for other people to find you. Of course, liking other people's posts are one way that you can maybe gain more followers because they might follow you back if you've liked their posts or if you follow them. Now, this is a little bit different than being, quote, friends with someone on Facebook. No one really on Facebook cares a whole, whole lot about how many friends you have. But on Instagram, this is a very big deal. So much so that you can sort of become verified. And verified is this little blue check mark, which is supposed to signify maybe for celebrities that this is like the real authentic account. You know, so for Brave Parenting, we're not verified. But if we were, we would say Brave Parenting, you have a little blue check mark saying like, this is the real Brave Parenting. Someone else may create another account that you know, is calling themselves Brave Parenting, but we're the real authentic ones. Um, You can actually request to become verified um, through part of the settings inside of Instagram. You have to provide like your actual government issued driver's license or ID in order to show Instagram that you are that actual person. All right, the third fact that you need to know about Instagram is the direct messages. Just like every other social media and even non-social app, This app has the ability to communicate inside the app, essentially text messaging inside that app. There is a small green dot inside of Instagram messaging that shows if someone is already online, makes it really easy to communicate. This is very similar to what um, Facebook Messenger has. It's essentially the Facebook Messenger app, except for it's all inside of Instagram. The thing for you as a parent to remember is that this communication is web-based. And once it's deleted, you know, you as a parent cannot find it. There's no trace of it because it's only kept online on the web. It's not being stored to the actual phone. Also in these direct messages is the ability to send disappearing or vanishing photos. This is one feature that Instagram stole from Snapchat several years ago, and they've implemented it right here in this DM or direct messaging aspect of the app. Now, the fourth fact that you need to know about Instagram is the explore or the search feature. We kind of talked about this in the beginning news, how they're adding ads to the explore section. So it's this section where they're going to suggest content for you from places and and people and accounts that you don't already follow. So if you are inside the Instagram app, you click on the little magnifying glass 
and it then comes up and it gives you a feed of like eight to ten pictures and videos and they're all very intriguing you know great maybe they already have a lot of likes or um, a lot of shares um, it's an easy way to sort of get sucked in and to find these new people to follow right you just tap it you can look at it you can then you know go to that person's entire feed or that accounts you know entire feed and kind of look at all of their stuff and get sucked in. You can also follow that person right then and there if you like. At the top of this explore section, they also give you topics that you can explore. And those are IGTV, which is Instagram TV, which is sort of short videos that they place there. Shop, which is your shopping. Style, comics, art, decor, animals, food, DIY, auto, music, beauty, travel, TV, and movies. So it gives you all of these sections. You can click on those topics and then you'll have what is like an endless, endless feed of suggested content. Now I did a search and I have to say that the feed is a little bit cleaned up. You know, Instagram had announced that they were going to clean up the explore feed of photos and kind of take out ones that were inappropriate or as they say, low quality things with, you know, pictures with nude or, you know, sort of graphic pictures, and they have cleaned it up some. Now, specifically in the search feature, if you, you know, just simply tap on that top search bar, they give you four different options. You can search top, you can search accounts, you can search tags, and you can search places. And, you know, for years, as I've spoken to parents, I'm like, this is one of the most terrible things about Instagram, is you can find any content, and there are no restrictions to stop your child from finding this content when they announced that they were going to clean this content up, I was really excited. And for a while, I didn't see any improvement. But as I prepared for the podcast, I actually did see a good chunk of improvement, which really pleased me. So when you search top, that's like top posts on, you know, suggested posts for Instagram. Now they used to be just top on Instagram. So I might see Selena Gomez, I might see Kylie Jenner or some other celebrity. But now when I search top, it gave me suggestions based on the other pages that I like, not just everything that's popular on Instagram at that moment. So that was a, that was a definitely positive change. When you search accounts, it gives me suggestions, but when I do a search under accounts, I could still search for the account of Pornhub, which is, you know, the world's largest um, pornography distributor. And you can follow Pornhub's account right then and there. It's got, you know, seven, I think plus million followers. And the pictures are just as crude and lewd as you would think that they would be following Pornhub. So that was still there. You know, it's not blocking in any way. You search tags. That was usually the worst thing. You could search, you know, hashtag nude, hashtag, and they did block hashtag porn, but you could search all these different type of vulgar words in order to find these hashtags that people had tagged if you were looking for pornography or maybe self-harm or any kind of negative aspect that you sort of wanted more information on or at least wanted to see a visual representation of. However, when I searched in tags, I found that almost everything that I searched was blocked. I tried every lewd word I could think of and it was all blocked, blocked, blocked. And what it said when it was blocked, it said, quote, to make sure only the most relevant posts are shown, we've hidden some posts that may be private or low quality. So kudos to Instagram. This is definitely one of the most positive changes that I've seen because I've hated that I could search the hashtag nude and I could be led to tons of nude images, even though Instagram's terms of service say they don't allow nudes, of course. You can still find, you know, semi-nudes, girls in very scantily bikinis, scantily dressed. It's You definitely can still find it, but Having a lot of those accounts blocked was definitely a positive change. And also, again, if you search locations, like I mentioned, maybe tagging you know, New York City. Well, you could search New York City and find all the people who had tagged that city. I live right outside San Antonio, Texas, and so I searched San Antonio. And what's interesting is I definitely felt like it was cleaner. I could still find lots of girls in bikinis. And sadly, it was a lot of young girls in bikinis, but it's summertime, so I can, I guess kind of understand that. What was interesting is I found tons of pictures of individuals. They weren't selfies, but they were staged pictures taken by someone else meant to look natural, except, you know, we know that they aren't. You know someone else is behind the picture 
and they're trying to look like average everyday pictures. And this is this trend of influence, of trying to be an influencer that we often see. I dare say that the selfie movement is a little bit being pushed aside. And now we have these staged photos that other people are taking. And uh, I mentioned that CBS morning interview that they did with the teenagers. And one of the teens had said that her and her friends will schedule photo shoots. They will pick the exact time where they have the best lighting and the best location. And then they go and they take pictures of one another in order to have this batch of pictures of themselves in order to post on Instagram. So she said that in the interview, and I can testify that I have heard this um, many times through from teenagers in my community. All right, so fact number five about Instagram is the settings inside the app. We're going to talk about this because it's important as a parent to know what choices you have in regard to settings, not only for yourself, but also for your child. So when you go to settings, number one, you can look at your activity. It actually will tell you how much time you spent in the app and you can set reminders to maybe get off after 30 minutes or an hour, whatever it is that you want. But then Instagram will, will actually put up a little reminder saying your time is about up. That's great. You can also change all of your notification settings. If you were to allow Instagram notifications, all of them, you would just be bombarded with a million notifications a day. So you can set them to be exactly what you want to be notified by. Also, there is the privacy settings. Now, privacy allows you to um, sort of limit or restrict what sort of comments you allow. You can either allow comments from certain people or you can block comments from certain people. You can also apply filters where you're hiding offensive comments or you can apply a manual filter where you may block certain words from appearing in comments. If you have a child who is on Instagram and you are concerned, about bullying or sort of hate um, messages and comments coming through on their feed, this is definitely one thing that you can do. Now, the truth is your child could go in and change any of these settings. If they have the account on their own phone, you know, you could do it with them. You can say, hey, this is a good idea. We should do this. But then if they decide they want to take it off, you know, this is not a parental control protected with a password or anything. But obviously, if your child knows that they're getting kind of hateful comments, they should want to block those. You can also limit your story. You can hide your story from certain people. So if your mom follows your Instagram account and you do not want her to see your story that you post, then you can hide that from her. Or you can create a list of of close friends and only share your story with those friends. You can also obviously make your account public and private. Um, Under security, you can actually see the login activity. You can see all the locations where you've logged into Instagram. You can access the data, which shows you like any password changes or email changes. You know, this is really important because a lot of times kids are often changing up all of their stuff in order to sort of maintain this privacy from parents. And we understand that they want privacy, but this is the internet. You know, they're keeping from us, but they're sharing, you know, with the billions of people who are on Instagram. So that's kind of where that contradiction lies. They need to be able to share that with us. We have open minds and help them walk through this if they are already on Instagram. Also in security, some great features that you can look under that security section is you can access the data. You can see any of the profile changes if they change their username. You can change their text and their bio or any of link, their links in their bio. You can see any of those changes. You can also download data. If you click that button, it gives you a copy of what you've shared on Instagram. You can put an email address there, request the download, and you can see everything that's ever been shared. So that's a great thing that they've recently introduced so that you know all the data that you've given Instagram, essentially. You can also um, clear the search history or search um, the search history here. Chances are if kids know that you can clear the search history, they're probably going to do that if they know that you're looking at their accounts. And again, under the account button itself, you can um, look at all the posts that you've liked. Now, I know that this is a great way and that parents will often do this to kind of see what sort of content their kids are liking. Because let's be real, there's the content that you post, which is going to reflect your character. But there's also the content that you like. You know, you may post only, you know, good, wholesome things. But if you're liking other people's posts that are cruel or unkind or crass and you know in any sort of way well that doesn't really say a whole lot about your character too because 
anybody who's going to search Instagram looking for you, maybe that be for a job interview or for a college application, they're going to be able to dig deep enough and find those type of, of aspects of what you've liked. You can also, in the, under this account, this is where you can request verification, as I had talked before. Now, as a parent, what you need to know is that the ratings for Instagram on iOS Apple and the Apple iTunes store, it is 12 plus. Google Play rates it as T for teen. Of course, you have to be 13 years old, according to Instagram, in order to sign up for an account. That's because they want to collect your data and they absolutely are going to collect a lot of your data. So brave parenting standpoint for Instagram, we're going to say 16 plus. Generally speaking, for all social media, we do say 16. This is the age we believe is mature, where you, you are trusted to go out in the world and drive a car and to work you know, as a productive member of society. The statistics that show the rates of loneliness and depression start to taper off in 10th grade, which is when children turn 16. So we've set this age of 16. But in full transparency, I will tell you that I have 16-year-olds and older, and I have still yet to allow Instagram. I understand that it can be used healthy and in, in good ways. I just personally don't like the influence. So that's my personal take on it. I do say generally though, 13 is way too young. The effects on their mental health is, is way too much. So at minimum, the age should be 16. All right, moving on to our family focus. Today, we're going to talk about the power of influence. Instagram often calls anybody who has a lot of followers influencers. So if you look to social media marketing to define what an influencer is, they say this, an influencer is an individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship to their audience. If you are an influencer, you have an audience, they are all your followers, and because of your authority, and maybe that authority is only given to you just because you claim it, um, your knowledge, your position, or your relationship, you have the ability to influence other people's decisions. According to Cambridge Dictionary, they say it a little bit simply, it is a person or group that has the ability to influence behavior or opinions of others. All right, so that's kind of its basic. What I found was really interesting as I researched influencers is that the Urban Dictionary, which if you know what that is, you can search any sort of slang term that is used today online, and there's anybody can kind of create a definition and it's voted on inside of the Urban Dictionary website. And so the most, um, the most agreed upon definition for influencer, according to Urban Dictionary, is this. A word Instagram users use to describe themselves to make them feel famous and more important when no one really knows or cares who they are. Usually they are the type of people who call themselves foodies and post pictures of their avocado and toast because they can't really do anything else interesting. They're also likely to post their last holiday asking someone to hashtag take me back. So while it's kind of humorous of a definition, you know, this is the most popular one that is voted on online. So Clearly, you can kind of see that there is a consensus that this influencer culture isn't necessarily loved by everyone. If you ask a teenager, of course, everybody wants to be an influencer because it's sort of a status symbol. And plus, they can make money doing what they love, which is just being on Instagram, right? Just taking pictures of themselves and posting it. That is, a you know, especially a teen girl's dream to make money doing what they love. So here's the thing about social media influencers is ultimately they are trying to make money by influencing others, right? So companies are paying this influencer to sort of push their brand or product. You know, the end goal for the influencer is their financial benefit. They are most often not influencing because they are invested in your child or you yourself, right? They're not invested in their character or their health or well-being. They're not concerned about the betterment. They're concerned about showcasing themselves, looking great, highlighting or, or showcasing whatever it is that they're um, being paid to show off. And then they're going to get money for doing that, or they're going to get more followers, which feels good. They also tend to focus on, you know, like superficial 
betterments or the cure for these superficial problems. And sometimes they're often creating problems that really don't exist with these maybe quick fixes. So take, for example, the beauty industry. There are tons of influencers out there in regards to beauty, you know, and they, they kind of make you feel or tell you that you need, you know, this makeup or that, you know, this contour or that palette. And they'll tell you, you know, well, natural freckles are bad, but custom freckles are really good. If you're over 50 and have wrinkles, you know, that's sort of an abomination. But if you buy this, you know, $600 skincare regimen, we'll guarantee that you look young forever. Unless that is, you know, looking old all of a sudden becomes trendy, in which case that $600 skincare regimen will do that for you too. So it's just really going along with these trends and sort of convincing you that you need this product in order to look this way. Or your freckles or your wrinkles, you're not okay with them and you should really get rid of them and you should really not have those wrinkles or those certain type of eyebrows or that type of neck or whatever it is. That is what they're telling you. What they're ultimately influencing you to believe is that if you don't abide by these sort of standards that we're setting, well, then you're not trendy and you're not beautiful and really you're not equal. And so, of course, any girl or guy, when we're being told that if we don't do this certain thing, we're not going to meet this standard. Um, You know, when we're not authentic, when we're not okay with who we are at the core, when we don't know our worth, we can fall for all of these deceptions and then tell ourselves, oh, well, I'm not this. I really need this product. And then we, with the ease of Instagram, end up buying it and spending money that we don't need to fix a problem that we didn't even think that we had before we got on Instagram. You can, you know, take the same type of situation with food, right? These superficial problems of food. I have seven kids and I manage to work full time and I still cook dinner for my family, it may not look pretty. I can actually guarantee that it doesn't look pretty on most nights. But if I was to get on Instagram, I would sort of be convinced, you know, that all of these meals have to be um, non-GMO and gluten-free and dairy-free and soy-free and prepared gorgeously on these coordinating plates and make sure I have all four food groups and, you know, everything just looks perfect. And then I serve it to my smiling children who, who love every single vegetable that I serve. Well, that doesn't happen, right? But if I was to look and find that, you know, they're influencing me to believe that if I don't prepare my food this way or if I don't cook in this sort of fashion, well, then I'm not a good cook. And if I'm not a good cook, then I'm probably not a good mom, right? And so if I, you know, sometimes only serve taco meat with nothing else or or allow cereal for dinner, well, then I am most certainly failing my children and they're going to grow up to consume, you know, hot Cheetos and monsters, and they're going to develop diabetes and cancer as adults. And it's all going to be my fault because I didn't meet these sort of standards that they put out there on Instagram. (laughs) You know, maybe I'm taking that a little too far, but you can see, you know, the mind can fall for these deceptions really, really easy. I definitely want to say that for moms, especially, you know, we're very critical on ourselves and it's really easy to look at someone else who looks like they have it more together. And then be critical of ourselves and judge the way that we're doing it and and consider ourselves less than or unworthy. We have to be careful um, because these influencers are often providing these quick fixes. You know, that's another aspect that I've even realized that my children can fall for and they're not even on Instagram, but through websites, they find something that can just be this quick fix and they say, oh, well, I absolutely need these vitamins because they're going to make my hair and my nails grow and it's going to be great. And they're $100, but it'll absolutely work because all these celebrities say that it's going to work. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, is they're offering this quick fix, but if they were truly out for our better, betterment, they would provide something and then solve the problem, maybe of our hair growth or nail growth, and then work themselves out of a job because it's fixed and we don't need them anymore. So like I was talking about this with my husband and, you know, we talked about brave parenting. And so my goal is, of course, it is to influence parents, to influence them in the sense of becoming more self-aware, being better role models, um, setting their own media and technology limits and boundaries so that their children can do the same, right? So that is my goal. However, if everyone started controlling their media and limiting their devices and everybody, you know, all the kids started doing nothing but good with technology. Well, then great. I'd be out of a job. I'm not, there was no one paying me to, you know, try and influence, you know, it's done because it's the right, you know, we do it because it's the right thing to do. So that's the difference between a lot of these influencers. They're more motivated by money than they are actually, you know, developing your kids into good, honest, authentic people. 
So this is where I think parents can really start having conversations because online influence is so pervasive that if we don't start talking to them young before they start spending a lot of time online where we we can't control them about what it is to be maybe consumeristic, what it looks like to be entitled, what it looks like in seeking validation and approval from the world, right? If we want them to be authentic and confident in who they are, accepting of themselves and others, if we want them to be thoughtful and have this realistic perception of reality, then they must understand how easily they can be swept away by this current of influencers. Because again, they're influencing not because they're actually concerned about you. So talking about this influence is is vital. The other vital aspect is owning our own power of influence as a parent. We are their greatest influencer. And how we, how we own that, that power is really by being conscientious about how we choose you know, to engage with our media, especially social media, and what we allow to influence us. You know, do we go to a dinner party at our friend's you know, million-dollar home and then come home and announce to our family, hey, we're going to sell our home and get something you know, bigger and grander? I mean, kids aren't dumb. They know that you were just influenced by your friend's home. You know, if you go out to the mall and, and you are really envious of a certain outfit or something that you really wanted to buy, you know, and then even though you said yourself in the store that you didn't have the money for it, but then you just go and buy it anyway, your kids know you were just influenced. So talk about what influences you feel drawn to in the world as a parent. You know, maybe you're influenced by your home and you see other people's more beautiful homes, or maybe it's even the decorations inside. You know, maybe it's your physical appearance or your abilities or your career or the car you drive or the vacations that you take or don't take, talk about what that looks like in your life as a parent, as, you know, the influencer to your child. When you own it and you can talk about it, like, wow, I really want that iPhone X, but I really am trying to be thankful because the phone that I have right now really serves all my purposes. Talk about those type of things. Let them know and be authentic about how you feel about the influence that the world is having on you. That way, it feels normal to them. Like, yes, I can feel this influence, but I can also stand up against it. Our kids need us to do that for them, to role model how it is that we stand up against the current of influence. All right, that brings us to the end of this episode. If you missed anything in today's show or you want to learn more, you can find us on braveparenting.net. Or if you have any questions about what we discussed today, you can email your questions to podcast at braveparenting.net. For an in-depth look about how you can build strong character using the technology children love, you can pick up a copy of our book, Managing Media, Creating Character, available on Amazon. And don't forget to subscribe if you're listening to us on iTunes or Google or any of your favorite podcast platform. Thank you so much for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe that character is greater than media, and every child needs a brave parent willing to set the new standard. Go and be brave.